0: Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Praise Christian Center podcast. I am Pastor Kofi Banfo, and I'm here with my wife, Jane. We hope you enjoy today's message and are blessed by it. Please remember to connect with us on social media and through our website. Enjoy. This is my third session. On the series that I have been doing that I have titled Staying Peaceful in Our Times Staying Peaceful in Our Times And today I am going to minister on something I have titled How to be angry and not sin How to be angry and not sin And it's going to get very hot in here And it is hot as well So I'm going to take my time to go through this I want to do a a, a review of some of the principles I finished off with last week because they come to bear in dealing with anger. There is not a single person sitting here listening to me via, via live streaming, including myself, who has not been touched with the emotion of anger. What happens is that many of us have had no education or insight about our emotions, especially anger. And for Christians especially, it's such a taboo emotion. But I, I am hoping by the help of the Holy Spirit and the work that I do also as a therapist to bring you some insights that will help you to work with this emotion that was given to us by God. So let's come with me to John 14:27, which is really my foundational text where I've been teaching from how to be angry and not sin. But I want to review last week, I covered... The, the thieves of peace, which I covered anxiety, worry, and fear. And they come to bear on where, where I'm going today. So I want to review a few things. John 14, 27, I'm reading out of the amplified version of the Bible for most of my texts, except for one where I will use the NIV. Jesus said to his disciples upon his, before his departure and to us, Peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. And every time I've gone back and I've read these scriptures again, that is why we say that scripture is always pregnant with a lot of truth. I get something else from the same verse. And so Jesus says, peace I leave with you My own peace, I shared last week that he was talking about not just any peace, but the peace that he embodied himself that enabled him to navigate and walk all the way to that cross, which helped him, held him together in his soul. That is the peace that he bequeathed, he left with us. But then he says, Not as the world. Gives, do I give to you? So, in essence, we can see from the Word of God that the world does attempt to give us something that may sound like peace, but it doesn't give us this undisturbed calm and composure that the Holy Spirit brings to us. Then he says that because of the peace that he has bequeathed to us, he continues. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated, disturbed, and do not permit yourselves to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. All of those things, being troubled in our our soul, which is our heart, It's our will, our mind, and our emotions. Being agitated, that's anger, irritation. You know, being cowardly and intimidated, that's fear. He's saying that we have the ability to harness our center. Why? Because that center is where you navigate your life from. And that center needs to be cared for. But in verse 26 of the same chapter, Jesus says this, But the comforter, I read, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, and the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things. He will cause you to recall. He will remind you of and bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. And yesterday when I was studying and reading these verses again, I I, I was just mulling over them and reflecting over them. And I said, Lord, I think the Holy Spirit is like the SSS. You know, this awesome military wing who do covert and Overt maneuvers and operations. S A S. It's not SSS. Oh. It's like the CIA. Is that the C I A? Okay, you can see I'm not very much in the army. But it reminds me of something covert. So I said the Holy Spirit, he is our C C H I A. C C H I A S S. Comforter. Counselor. Helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, seven completo, the number of perfection. The Amplified Bible. All the words in the brackets are in the original translation. By the way, the ones in the parenthesis in the Amplified are words that are suggestive of the text, and these are in the it's in the brackets in the parenthesis. So seven. So he is what we call upon. Guess what? In maneuvers, covert and, op- and overt operations that will trouble us. So you send him on your boss. You don't send your mouth or get worried. Are you getting this? You send him also to act and, and protect you and go with you. The C-C-H-I-A-S-S is within you. And the last week I finished with 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. I'm going to be reading from the NIV to bring it together because some of the principles I finished with last week, which I was rushing because of time, will help you when I begin to touch on anger. For though we live in the world, the fan on me, please. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons with which we fight for are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, are, they have divine power, listen to this, to demolish strongholds. And next week, I'm going to talk about weapons, how to carry your sword and stay in peace. The weapons we fight with, we are in a warfare, and not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, are, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And I finish up by saying that in in terms of, of anxiety, worry, and fear, worry is the mental part. It's a mental activity where you circle a problem over and over again or an issue. It doesn't take you anywhere anxiety is the emotional part of it. Sometimes that also has thoughts, and it has thoughts of a lot of rumination, which is again going over, I won't make it, I'm a failure, thoughts of doom and gloom. However, it also has panic and feelings with it. So the way that you harness, when Jesus said, do not allow your heart, your center to be troubled, agitated, unsettled, disturbed, intimidated, or cowardly, the way you harness that center is that first, the thoughts will come. And I shared with you that when I was first trained as a therapist, we were trained that you tell people who have negative thoughts or are dealing with negative thoughts about self or any issue that you tell them that catch the thought. Then we found out that when they caught the thought, the thought was still there, and now this insight is so much better, it aligns up with the word of God, which says that we take every thought captive. Now, and I, I did that thing last week where I tied the hands of those I brought in front. When you take a thought captive, it means that you capture it, you confine it. Anybody or any prisoner of war that is taking captive is confined, then it has. No power. You delineate that thought of its power. So acknowledge first the thought is there. Because when you resist a negative thought, guess what? What you resist persists. So you acknowledge it's there. It's saying, I'm not a failure. Then you capture it. You confine it. You have no power. You tie it up or catch it. Then you go and get another empowering thought. He says what? I know the thoughts, Jeremiah 29, 11, and the plans that I have for you. They are thoughts of good and not evil to give you a hope and a future. So the more you begin to focus yeah, on those thoughts, then that becomes your thought pattern. Then, in, then the other component was your emotions especially with anxiety, it has that emotional part, it has that panic and that restlessness Either in our stomach, I share that I used to hold or do hold anxiety whenever I do have it in my stomach, but now I listen to my body or some people in their chest, somebody said to me, it's all in the back of my neck. So now it's it's that you begin to deal with that emotion, especially if it's panic, it's breathlessness or intolerance of an emotion, you stay with that emotion. And I shared with you last week, that's what I did on the motorway over 20 years ago, facing my fear of the motorway because of a previous car accident. I still went on the motorway, but I, I went declaring the word, Isaiah fifty two twelve that your glory is my rear guard. God, you go in front of me, you're ahead of me. God, you're inside me. God, you're around me. Like somebody said, wall to wall, Holy Ghost, so I can face anything. And whilst I was declaring the word on the motorway, guess what? My palms were still sweaty. The the physical manifestations in my emotions were there, but I kept declaring. So the more you tolerate the emotion, the more you stay in it, suddenly you find that you begin to gain mastery over it. They begin to dissipate. That's how you get rid of it. Because, you see, in psychiatry, and I'm not against psychiatry, please, it says they give you anti-anxiety medications and things to help you. Oh, I know why I I said SS. You know why? Thank you, Holy Ghost. I love you. Depression, they give you SSRI inhibitors, which are to help serotonin in your brain, which helps you to get up and go because you're down. That is why I I called it SSS because the Holy Ghost is also your SSRI in a different way. It helps you to get going. It mobilizes you. It comforts you. It strengthens you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. So He reminded me why I got that. You see how He helps us. How can you remember all these things? He helps us, and He just remembered because I was pondering on it yesterday in my study. So when you tolerate that emotion and you don't lose your point, He helps you to come back to the same point yeah. as well. He's such a wonderful helper, strengthener, stand by me. And the way He does is that He begins to. Oh my goodness. It begins to, the emotions begin to dissipate. And then guess what? As you tolerate, you gain mastery. In psychiatry, they say, manage your anxiety. In, in, in God, he says, get rid of the anxiety. You see the difference? It sounds scary. And, and, and for someone like myself who works on both sides, as a therapist on one hand, I don't ever talk to my clients, about not, not taking their medication. Then on this side, God says, get rid of your anxiety. He said, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. He says, but with prayer and definite requests and thanksgiving, bring them to me. So he doesn't just leave you, he shows you how. He says, bring them to me and keep bringing them to me. So God doesn't want us to live with anxiety. He wants us to, he wants to get rid of it. So that was, so Within the thoughts captive, the emotions. Then you, you will yourself. Your will is the other component of Where? of your emotional center, your will, your mind, and your emotions. So your will is that you will yourself to believe God. That he that cometh to God, we shared last week that, must necessarily believe that God is. And that the PFC, the prefrontal cortex, the region of our brain where we think, assess, and reason, the pathway through that place, guess what? It gets gets damaged. This is scientifically by lies and by anxiety and depression. Isn't that interesting? But that truth is what calms that circuitry and begins to bear because fear they said inflammates and and brings and and increases the, the, the release of those all those hormones. But truth, God loves me. Truth in the loving God, He's with me. He will be with me. His name is Emmanuel. The Lord is near. The Lord is close to the broken-hearted, and he binds up their wounds. He's always near. So that truth, guess what they said, calms that circuitry and heals the brain. And this is going to be very important when we talk about anger. So how do you get angry and not sin? That's interesting, isn't it? You know, one of the reasons I was just thinking why I am able to talk to you candidly about my weaknesses and some of the areas that I've walked in is because I am experiencing a lot of freedom in Jesus Christ. So I'm able to talk about my fears that God has enabled me to walk through. I'm going to talk about anger today. And it's because I can share it candidly with no apology or shame because it brings you a lot of freedom. I I totally enjoy the life I have now. I'm not there yet, but it's a path that I want to stay on. And I think that's our hearts, both Pastor Kofi and I, in teaching, like line upon line like this. is really wanting you to really live. Because you see, you can pray all you want and still walk in fear. That's why I go break down and show you what happens in your brain when you are afraid. So let's talk about anger. (laughs) I wonder whether I should give you the facts about Britain. (laughs) Anger is a strong feeling. Let's define some of it first. I'll give you various definitions as I go along. Anger is a strong feeling of displeasure and belligerence. That word belligerence, is, the Webster's dictionary simply, it means um, hostility and aggression. So it's a strong feeling of hostility and aggression, which is aroused by real or supposed wrong. And we're gonna show how sometimes anger is not real. It's aroused, just like fear. Fear is a natural response I shared with you last session. Our bodies are geared to fear because fear protects us from danger. Fear becomes what? Problematic when there is no danger and we live in fear. So anger is the same. It's an intense feeling that is aroused by real or supposed wrong. Another part of anger is rage, which I will demonstrate towards the end. Rage is deep and strong feelings It includes fury, which is what we call slow burn. Like the fire of anger is always cooking underneath your emotional center. Indignation. And the feeling is accompanied by a need to retaliate. You want to hurt somebody when you're hungry. We're going to talk about how you can be angry and not sin. This is another definition by Dallas Willard. He was a professor. He's a Christian great, great author. I've read some of his books. He was a professor of philosophy at the Southern California University. This is his definition of anger. Anger is a feeling that seizes us in our body because anger comes very quickly. So it seizes us in our body and he says, and it immediately impels us toward interfering with, and possibly even harming those who have thwarted with our will or interfered with our life. Is that that you? Nobody's going to say no. I have felt like that before. I, I want to kill somebody. You've never said that before. Okay, you know where liars go. I've told the Lord, don't let them be condemned in this teaching. Let them own their truth. But if you don't, I shall make you feel bad, uh-huh. No, I'm kidding. I have felt that way before. I haven't done it, the deed. Even the other day, my husband is driving. We're in the car just a few days ago. I'm going to a doctor's appointment that's a, uh, to have a treatment that's supposed to calm my shoulder down. Somebody crosses. He's driving very badly. And coffee's on the side. And when we get near to him, because he rush, you run, you run, you run, guess what? And then you get to a traffic light. So I said to him, should I just roll the window down and just kind of look at him? You know, that's still anger, isn't it? He said, no, Jane. It's called don't follow a fool in his folly. A fool in his folly. It can't, the thought comes. That's why the Bible says be angry. But, and he helped me not to sin on that occasion. Yeah. Let me give you some anger facts and statistics. Just a little bit. We currently live, they say, in an anger epidemic worldwide. I'm giving you Britain. The British Association of Anger Management receives more than 350 phone calls and emails a week from people asking for anger management. This is the nation of the stiff upper lip. It's a 50% increase, they say, from a few years ago. Let's see what our cousins across the pond In America, according to Newsweek magazine, one in five Americans has an anger problem. The United Kingdom has the second largest incidence of road rage. The leader is South Africa, United Kingdom is number two. Can you believe it? Yes, I can. When you have a stiff upper lip, we're going to see what happens when you keep emotions inside. The UK, 60% of all absences in the UK from work, are caused by stress, which is a catalyst for anger. It's a fuel for anger. 45% of us, this, this is Britons, so it includes Christians. Because he didn't say Britons who are not Christians in the statistics. So it includes all of us listening and here and listening online. 45% of us, whoever we are, regularly lose our temper at work. <laughs> Thank you. There was always one in the first service, too. The rest are all not angry. God bless you. 50% of us have reacted, 50% of us have reacted to anger and computer problems by hitting our PC, hurling parts of it around, screaming and abusing colleagues at work. 33% of Britons are not on speaking terms with their neighbours. One in twenty of Britons have had a fight with their neighbour, a physical fight with their neighbour next door. <laughs> anger management and stress week is designated as the first week in December because of the hostility running up to the season. This is supposed to be a season of what goodwill and peace to all men. Now, anger week. They are thinking of making an Anger Management Month. So this teaching is important because so we can be examples of staying peace and modeling something to the world. Why is there so much anger? Our lives are more stressful and anxious and we are driven by the demands of time and money. We have become more selfish. We get angry when we don't get what we want. This was an article in Christianity Magazine last year. It was called, Instant Gratification, the Disease of Now. There is not a lot of waiting in the 21st century. Never mind that Noah had to wait for the rain to stop. And Jesus had to wait to get on the cross. And people had to wait in the Bible. The Israelites took 40 years to get to the promised land. We don't like waiting, it says in the 21st century, because emails come to our phones 24-7. Then we impatiently wait for the ones that we have sent to be responded. And when we don't reach someone, we immediately think something is wrong, right? Questions, questions like who came third in the World Cup of 1986 used to be settled in a pub argument for days. Now, it is answered by just the tap of an app. By the way, it's France who came third in the World Cup in 1986. We prioritized, the article said, quickness over quality, speed over service. Good things, it said, no longer come to those who wait. Good things come to those who have the availability and the proximity of 4G in their area. Patience is no longer a virtue. Come with me to Ephesians 4. This is the world we live in. So this covers all of us. Because, you know, it covers all of us together. So this teaching is important. Because anger steals, like anxiety, fear, and worry, our peace. When your peace is gone, your joy is gone. Then you can't really engage with this life, this awesome life that he died to give us. Ephesians chapter 4, please, verse 26. I read, When angry, do not sin. Do not ever let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury or indignation last until the sun goes down. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. So, in essence, the Word of God is saying, it says, when angry. It didn't say if. It said when angry. That means there is going to be opportunity for us to be angry, to be irritated. Just like offense, it will come. Jesus said, woe to him who takes it when it comes. He says, "When angry, do not sin." Because the definition I gave you is said that anger is aroused. It's a strong emotion. The Bible calls it the strongest of all the passions. It will come. You will be irritated. But the Bible says, "But don't ever sin in your anger, and don't let the sun go down on your anger. We'll unpack this as we go. 27: Leave no such room a foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. Remember, he's a thief. He's after your peace, your joy, and your power. But also, when you get angry in the kind of anger where you sin, all Satan needs is just a foothold, just a small inch into the door of your home, your life, and then he has a stronghold. Pastor Kofi just came back from Ghana. He was telling me, You know, he's been teaching them about the mind. And I was just so blessed. I said to him, please teach us. He said, I just taught the mind recently. I will really... You see how we need to hear these things? Because it is all about our mind and our center. And a stronghold, my definition of a stronghold, is a little thought. And then it becomes little houses of thoughts that don't help you. Then he takes over that center. And you can't function. So anger... Brings, gives him an inch, he comes in. Anger where it leads to sin. 28. Let the thief steal no more. But rather let him be industrious, making an honest living with his own hands, so that he may be able to give to those in need. Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. Watch your mouth, he's saying. Mind your language. And you know how you mind your language? When you are governed by the Holy Spirit, the standby, the advocate within. When we listen to him, we will watch our language, because he's always wanting to lead and guide us. That's why we, the Bible doesn't tell us anything we can do. He says, watch your language. If he doesn't bless anybody, don't bring it out. As is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor to those who hear it. That is so significant. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not offend or vex or sadden him by whom you were sealed, marked and branded as God's own, secured for the day of redemption of that deliverance to Christ from evil and the consequences of sin. You see, the Holy Spirit lives within us. But just like our our family and our spouses, he also needs a quiet habitation to live in. So when we are in anger that leads to sin, we vex him. We we silence his voice. And when I go through the process of anger, you will see how he gets silent because we don't hear him. When we allow anger to move to the face, the next phase where we sin, and we grieve him, then he, we don't hear his guidance for our lives or for the situation. 31 says, let all bitterness, and that's anger gone to sea, and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper and resentment, anger, animosity and quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention and slander. That's evil speaking abusive, or blasphemous language, let it be banished from you. Look at the tone of the language that God is speaking to his church, that these things must not come out of us. If we allow, or when we allow his spirit that's come dwell in us, to work in us, and banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness, he calls it baseness, below, it's below the belt. When you live like that, it's below the belt. It's not where you are called to of any kind. 32. And become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another. How? Readily and freely as God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. We sin with our anger when we don't forgive immediately. It says readily and freely. And I'm going to slow that down in a minute. The Vines Bible Dictionary, this is how it defines anger. And I'm taking my time because I want you to get this when I get to lay out the process of when we get angry in order for us not to sin. The Vines Dictionary says that anger is parogismus, It's really the definition that I'm interested in is a strengthened form of anger and a just he calls it a just occasion for the feeling so when the bible says be angry it means that something has been said done to us an injustice that therefore brings the emotion of anger are you with me so he it says it's a just occasion for the feeling this is actually this word in the vines bible dictionary Is speaking of Ephesians 4.26, be angry, or when angry, and not sin. So anger is a natural impulse, a desire, or disposition. It is like all emotion, it is a warning signal. You know, road signs, right, they tell us where to turn and where not to turn. So our emotions also are the same, they're signals. So anger is a signal that warns us. So when that emotion starts to rise in you, it is warning you, Jane, you have been hurt. Jane, there's been an injustice. Jane, this has happened to you. So what what you're supposed to do and not sin is feel that feeling of injustice, but rather as a signal, it alerts you to what, it mobilizes your resources. What are my your resources? What are my resources? It is the deposits of the word of God that we are using to renew our mind. If when we are doing that, then that word is in us. So when we are wronged by anger or there's an injustice, instead of wanting to retaliate, we know that the resource for that is that forgive freely. We just read it. So that anger, that emotion that lets you to say, you know what? They didn't speak to me right, but I'm going to let it go. Anger, therefore, causes you to mobilize your resources and you don't have to get aggressive with your boss, your spouse, or anybody. Anger helps you to set your limits and also to use your strength and also to resist what I call threatening demands from somebody. Second point about anger, anger is a secondary emotion. That means that the anger sometimes is always underneath depression. We talk about that. And also underneath grief. When I experienced bullying, I've shared this with you many years ago at secondary school. Because I couldn't be angry. That's why a lot of angry people are fearful people. And a lot of fearful people are angry. So, yeah. Because I couldn't really face the bullies. Are you with me? And I was afraid, I was afraid of them. But I was angry for what was done to me. I held it all inside. So that was the secondary emotion. The first emotion was pain of bullying. You get it. So anger is a secondary emotion as well. It is behind unresolved issues in our life like grief. We might look at the word I use, unresolved, because grieving is a process. We read that last week, how the Israelites mourned for, for Moses for 30 days. Then God came to them and said, the days of grieving are over. That means there's a process there. You know, when we don't deal with our grief and it sits in us, then it brings anger and then it leads to depression as well. Anger is linked to anxiety. Last week I shared with you that anxiety is a future-focused emotion. And it's a feeling of powerlessness or what? Out of control. You can't control certain situations that have happened to you, either growing up or momentarily in your life events now. So what you do is that you get anxious and fearful that you couldn't control those events. It is powerless to be anxious. But guess what? Powerful to be angry. So anxious people sometimes have anger. So anxiety, anger, and fear are linked. And sometimes also they are linked because, I can't teach you all the dynamics, but these are a few insights to help you. Sometimes they are linked because we are afraid, yeah, to face things in our lives fear to face things the truth of our own lives and we are afraid of the emotion that will come up okay then another part of anger you're very quiet i take it that you're taking it in because nobody wants to look angry do you (laughs) i will help you to get angry in a minute another aspect of anger that i want to look at is called the root of anger do you know people that get angry sometimes very quickly for no reason, or what they say is that you spend $5 of energy or 5 pounds of energy on a one-piece situ- anger situation. You get that? Let's look at what we call the root of anger. That means there's something there that has never been dealt with. Hebrews 12, if you please. Hebrews 12, verse 14. I read Hebrews 12, 14. Are you there? Say Amen. Okay, should we wait for the the rest? Are you there? Strive to live in peace with everybody and pursue that consecration and holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another, to see that no one falls back from and for and fails, I beg your pardon, to secure God's grace. His unmerited favor and spiritual blessing in order that no root, look at the word, no root of what? Resentment, rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and that's what? Causes trouble and bitter torment and the many become contaminated by it. This is also what we call the sins of the fathers. It's not necessarily fathers but generational sins things that have been done to us things that were unjust in our 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 life maybe younger that we've not addressed and dealt with because you know Galatians 5:15 says that we are people of the spirit and when we live by the spirit the bible says we don't want follow the dictates of our flesh but when we don't deal with what was done to us and rather grab the cross, what was done for us. It helps us to push behind, as the Apostle Paul says, are you with me? That putting behind for those things that are behind, I press forward and lay hold of what Christ has for me. I'm paraphrasing. Otherwise, we repeat the sins of the fathers. You know, many times people have said to me, or have shared with me, I don't want to be like my mother. Or they will say, I don't want to be like my father. Then I've heard them say, but I am turning into my mother. But I'm turning into my father. Because when you don't forgive the person who hurt you, and you have not even dealt with the root, the root of bitterness is in you. So what that does that you retain your sin. That's how you become like them. And so the Bible says what? Let's make sure, look how the scripture says it, that no one fails to secure what? God's grace. His unmerited favor. Why? Because grace is what we live by. And we can't secure this amazing life. It's there for us. It's like the peace that Jesus gave to us. It's there for the taking. But to access it, peace won't come to you automatically. You might, I, say, I shared it in lesson one. You must want peace. You must crave peace in your life to have it. Otherwise, this is another part of anger, is bitterness. So what does the Bible say when it says, be angry and not sin? Before I get to that, I want to talk about God's anger. Psalm 30 verse 5. Oh my goodness, is that the time? Psalm 30 verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment... That's God's anger. God gets angry as well. And the Bible says, for his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime, or in his favor is life. And then the second process, for weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So God, this is how God does anger. And you know, we are creating the image of God. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us to do anything that we can't do. So God gets angry, the Bible says. And then momentarily, he turns back. Another way of describing God's anger is this. God has momentary displeasure. You do something, I do something, it upsets him, but he turns back to me again. And that's how he wants us to deal with anger. That's how you don't sin. You connect with a feeling of injustice or whatever, but you turn back. Another example is in Psalm 103, verse 8 and 9. You can write it down. I'll read it very quickly. Psalm 103, verse 8 and 9. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger. How do you do that? Practice. Slow to anger. I'm going to show you how that happens. Plenteous in mercy and loving kindness. He will not always chide or be contending. It means God isn't contentious with his anger. He's slow to anger. Then he's love and kindness. Love that is kind. Oh my goodness. Neither will he keep his anger forever or hold a grudge. Wow. But we can, we can get there. Not today, but we can start to live that way. Anger is costly. I've got to make this point. You know, I'm trying to put so much in this teaching. Pastor Kofi said in the first service, you couldn't keep up with me. This whole, I can teach four weeks or more on just anger alone. But I hope to give you something to help you understand this misunderstood and not addressed emotion in the church, in our world. Because Christians dress their anger. How, how are you? Oh, praise the Lord. And when you turn. Oh. <laughs> Do you know that sarcasm is anger? Because anger leaks. It leaks out of us. Because emotions are supposed to be expressed. So when we don't express it, it leaks out of us. We dress it nicely. God will help us. He's helping us. Anger cost Moses a lot. So because it's a lot of scripture, I'll give you the references and I'll tell you the story. Moses had an anger problem. He didn't deal with it, he knew it. God cautioned him on it, like most of us. I'll tell you a story of my own life. And, and, and he, he didn't deal with it. It cost him experiencing the fullness of his purpose. It's an example for us. First, he killed the first Egyptian who he saw fighting a Hebrew person, Exodus 2.11. Quietly, nobody saw it. Second time, he tried to do something else again. Then the Hebrew guy said, you're going to do the same thing to me. He runs away because angry people are fearful people. So he ran away. I told you. And hid. And hid. In Exodus 32, 19, when he went up to meet God for the Ten Commandments, Exodus 32:19, Moses comes down from the mountain with the tablets, and guess what? They had made a golden calf to worship. The Bible says, actually, when I read it, his anger blazed hot. The Hebrew word for for anger in the Hebrew, the vines is the paragismos, but the Hebrew word says it's like blowing through the nostrils. Don't you feel that when you get angry, it's like heat? It's like it's coming from your ears and everywhere. When I saw I said, the Bible, this is in the Bible? Yes, because God made us. I love the Bible more and more. So Moses came out, he was furious. That's anger. He's destroyed the tablets. That's sinning in your anger. He, he, he could have been angry for what they did. But he didn't have to destroy the tablets. He was the first lawbreaker. There you go. Then, then, and in, 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 finally, he disobeyed God in front of the Israelites. You know, when, when they came in the, in the wilderness, they ran out of water. One place, God told him, Moses, strike the rock, then the water will come out. The second time, in Numbers 20, 10 to 12, God told him, Moses, speak to the rock. Because he was angry. Because when you're angry, listen, church, you don't hear. And I'm going to show you in a minute when I do my anger demonstration. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Because it's going to get very hot in here. Yeah. If you think it's hot now. Moses didn't hear. And, and, and he, he embarrassed God. And in the, so in Deuteronomy 32, this is what God said to him. Deuteronomy 32 verse 51. He says, because you broke faith with me. In the midst of the Israelites, at the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin. And because you did not set me apart as holy in front of the Israelites, for you shall see, he said, the land opposite at a distance. But you shall not go there to the land that I'm giving to the Israelites. Last week I talked about how awesome a leader Moses was. He was awesome. And look at what anger did. Because of that anger, God kept getting getting checks in his spirit about his anger. He didn't deal with it. It cost him to have brought the people. Can you imagine all this far and not going? It's a lesson to us. And to all of us, By this, God is speaking to us. Check your anger. Because the Bible says that for James 1.20, For man's anger does not promote the righteousness that God desires or requires man's anger. Righteousness in the Amplified Bible describes as God's way of what? Of being and doing in the world. So that means that when we are angry and sin like that, we're not promoting God or ourselves. We're not good examples for the gospel, amen? And that's what he's saying. When you get angry, last week I talked to you about the brain and fear, that when you get angry... The same thing happens that when you're afraid, the amygdala, is like the the glass here, when there's a fire, what, what happens? We break that glass. What does that do? It sounds the alarm. The amygdala in our brain is the alarm center that there's a fire. Well, guess what? Anger is primarily, the research has shown over and over again that anger is primarily about thoughts and beliefs. What you perceive about a situation and what you believe. So as soon as you start to get angry, let me give you a bit of a, of a description in your physiology in your body. They The amygdala, like the fire glass, the alarm system of your brain, it begins to sound the alarm. James, he says that he doesn't like your hair. I use that in the first service, I might as well stick with that. Use myself as an example, don't want to get into any trouble. So, yeah, he doesn't like your hair. I get upset because I like my hair. So I, I, the, the amygdala sounds the alarm, but guess what it does? He sends the stimuli of whatever injustice, whatever is being said to, that is starting to cause you anger. The, the alarm is sounded by amygdala in our brain, and guess what? He's, it sends that message, and all, all coming in stimuli about that will upset you, guess what? To the conscious part of the mind, the PFC. Remember I talked about that last week? Where we think, reason, and assess. And you then begin to unpack what you have got based on your past, your history, your beliefs, and your expectations. So if I'm using my own life as an example, so she says, I, so he says, or whoever, I don't like your hair, Jane. It's not nice. Then I, that information comes in. I start thinking. Every time I've dealt with women since I was in school, they never like me. If it's not my hair, it's something else. So I go to my history. You see why the Bible constantly, constantly tells us to be renewed in our mind? Because our go-to place is always our history. So, you, so the, the brain works like that. It goes back to, your, to your, your, all your information, your beliefs, expectations, your past. Then it begins to now mobilize hostility. So based on how much you have renewed your mind, then you, you don't get angry. Is, this, is that possible? So anger is about what? Thoughts and beliefs, they say it's not about your genetics and biochemistry. They, can't, they only play a small part. It's more how I perceive what he or she said about my hair. I saw it as they don't like me. You see, I perceive, perception. Then I believe going way back. Are you getting this. If my mind isn't renewed, then all of that comes to bear on how much anger I, 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 I release. So how do you get angry and not sin? So stage one. I call it get ready get ready that's when you start to feel angry she says i don't like your hair the way your hair looks it's not nice ah ja, ja 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 it's not nice you start to get angry you start to get irritable you start to feel violated you are not pleased you feel misunderstood you don't feel safe adrenaline starts to go Hey, you don't like my hair Hey! You don't even hear what the other person is saying. You begin to raise your voice. Anger stage one <laughs> prepares your body into a state of readiness. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't like my hair. Hey! You see, hey! this is the stage. <laughs> you have to get upset with me. Don't make me laugh. This, I'm trying to be angry, please, church. Help me get angry. This is is the stage where your breathing, everything changes. And this is the stage where you have to slow yourself down and explore (laughs) and understand what is going on. He knows I don't put my handbag on the floor. At this stage Go to the back At this stage you are, Go to the back because I'm coming At this stage You have to explore what is going on Because what needs to come out it's pain, not anger. Anger is a response to personal pain. So when you are angry, ask yourself, and I'm going to show you how you do that. Is by slowing yourself down. What hurts? Genesis chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, we see this in the Bible. What hurts? When Cain's offering was not received, Let's look at what happened, verse 5, Genesis 4 5. But for Cain and his offering, he had no respect or regard. So Cain was exceedingly angry and indignant, and he looked sad and depressed. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? God didn't ask that question to Cain for God's benefit. God was helping Cain to locate where his pain was. So Given the, the analogy I've been giving about my hair, why don't you like my hair? What is it that hurts you, Jane? It's that every time a comment is made about my appearance. That's the pain, it's not the anger. So God was saying to Cain, what hurts? Because it's not Abel's offering. Because a display of anger is a form of communication. When you don't slow yourself down and ask yourself this question, Then what happens is that you get so angry, and you feel violated, you go to stage two of the anger process, and I'm coming for you. (laughs) And in stage two, which is rage, the adrenaline is going. And when it is going, guess what? You feel powerless. So you introduce a weapon into the equation. Because a weapon or something to hit the other person, you want to retaliate, changes everything. You go, eh? You don't like my hair, eh? Today you will see my true colors. Today you will see, I am not the gemba the Christian. You will see my color. You will see, I am Oluwaiye I am coming for you. I am coming. You will see. You control the atmosphere. Because a weapon changes everything, and that's rage, and you will hurt somebody. Because as soon as you see my weapon, this frying pan has made many a good family meal, and now I'm about <laughs> to bring it on you. Eh! Eh! Really? At that point, guess what? Their voice is, Hi-oh! Eh! Hey, they have abused me! oh Eh! Hey. You don't hear nothing. The amygdala, the alarm is firing. Oh my goodness. And guess who else is speaking? The Holy Spirit. But we don't hear his voice. You don't hear anything. In stage two, in rage, the first is ready. Now it's aim. And now you're about to fire. You're about to fire. Stage three is called fury. And fury is anger that abides. Are you getting this? Anger that abides. Let me put my weapons down momentarily. You see, I'm exhausted from the anger fit. And I'm going to show you what anger does to our heart. Just two organs. And this is even not a real anger. In (laughs) In, In stage three, most people go from anger to rage very quickly. If you've heard me, I talk a lot about breathing or stepping back, because all the, what those things do is that it helps you to respond and not react. So you feel the emotion. You ask, what is it that hurts me? I feel my image is being, the pain is my image. So you, what needs to be dealt is my, the pain of who I am and my image. Not anger, because in stage three, we call it fury. The dictionary de- defines as wild of violent action one dictionary definition defines fury as anger 10 times somebody is going to pay people who are in fury they have adrenaline going all the time they are always on a 10 always on a 10 hey what did you say the boss says come to my office hey what for huh <laughs> always the anger is here always there Every time adrenaline is going, you live on a tent. You're calling the emergencies resource of your body always up there. The word "fume" also means slow burn. The fire of your anger has been burning for a long time. And then there are people in your life who also know how to push your buttons. Could be a spouse and then everything, always. People like that also don't have good boundaries. By that I mean they don't know how to say no. So they're exhausted, they're tired. And then they are always helping people. They go, ah, it's not the church again. Ah, I, mean, I feel like just killing somebody. But he said, we should love them with the love of the Lord. Ah, Always, they're angry. They're always edgy. You live on the edge. And the way that you stop from going from anger, readiness, ready, and going to rage, it's always just slow yourself down. And he, listen, because really, these weapons of destruction really, It's a form of communication. I just want to be heard. So if you could just drop your weapons and slow yourself down and ask, what is it that you want the other person to hear? And here's the thing about communication. I didn't say in the first service. Say it in the way that you want it heard. Say it in the way that you want it to be heard. Anger is linked to stress because stress is outward and violent manner that you release it and you feel better. But It's not. Anger and stress, I read somewhere, it's like having a headache and smashing your head with a hammer. Yeah, hoping that it will go away. So stress isn't the best way to release anger either. Let me give you the technical definition or the medical definition for stress. Do I have time? Somebody signal to me. Okay. Stress is the body and the mind's response. Listen to this. This is proper stress. The body and the mind's response to any pressure, any pressure that disrupts their equilibrium, homeostasis, balance in our, this whole system. It happens When our perception of events doesn't meet our expectations. And that disappointment, that unmanaged reaction, when we don't manage it and it begins to work against us, it then begins to make us sick and then we fade from overload. And that is what is released. That unmanaged reaction is what stress is. So that's why we have to manage stress because ultimately it's leading to disease. And then there are those that say, oh, I don't do anger. So I have had people in therapy or people I talk to who say, oh, we don't get angry. I said, how did your mother deal with your father's infidelity? They would say, oh, well, she, she doesn't get angry. I go, how did she deal with it? They would say, she gets up, she goes, mm, mm, mm. What do you think that is? Anger in. People who practice anger in, what you're doing is that you are calling the, the sympathetic nervous system. By that, I mean the fight or flight response. You get it, of the body. That means something is preparing your body. Because something has happening that's upset you. To fight, face it, or flee. Go away. So, When you don't deal with it, you keep that anger in. What the definition, they say happens in the parasympathetic or the nervous system, the autonomic, sorry, ANS, autonomic nervous system in our body is that, what that does is that you have mobilized a fight or a flight. But guess what? You don't release the tension. So where do you think that tension sits? In your body. It's going to harm you. So anger in and rage and fury are just as bad. So let's bring this all home. Let me summarize. I have four minutes. Has this been helpful? Let's review. Anger is what? How you perceive a situation. You assess it and you interpret it. It's how you perceive it. You assess it and you interpret it. And this goes on all around you. So traffic jam. Long line in Sainsbury's or supermarket with a trainee, sales, a sales clerk or whoever, and your, your adrenaline is going. You have no patience. Where you are in a hurry to go to, we don't know because all of us need to get home and cook. Or obnoxious driver, like how I told my husband, should I roll my window down and kind of give him a look? That's like passive-aggressive anger. The children say to me, mommy, stop your passive-aggressive anger. Because when they wake up in the mornings, until last week, I've never done it before. I've written a note on the laundry. Just tell them to do the laundry. It's still aggression in a way. I wrote a note. Who writes a note on the laundry? I'm still working on my anger. (laughs) You know? And so, like that. But you slow down and assess it. Don't follow a fool. Number two. So first, anger is how you perceive and assess and interpret what goes on around you. So slow yourself down and ask and explore what's going on around me. Number two. choose. You choose how you respond. Deuteronomy 13, 19, I said before you this day, life and death. Choose how you would live. So you choose. Number three, step back. That's the breathing. If you can't breathe, just step back from what has happened. Or take a deep breath so you respond and you don't react. Always stay in the moment. That's why I shared last week about pay attention to what is happening inside you. When you don't stay in the moment, you're going back to your old beliefs. To how things happened to you 20 years ago. Do you get it? Always stay. What is happening now? What did they say? Stay in the moment. All the things I'm saying don't come naturally. You got to practice. It's an emotion that will not leave our lives. But it's on the rise because we're not facing it. And we're not dealing with it well. So stay in the moment. Proverbs 29, 20 says, Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a self-confident fool than for him. Stay in the moment. Number four. Own your part. Surely, there must be something you must have done as well. Own your part. The Bible says in First Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves. Demote. Lower yourselves. Under, in your own estimation. Under the mighty hand of God. That he may what? Exalt you in due time. Own your part. Number five. Let God avenge because the introduction the of weapons or anything to harm or you want to punish the other person, let God avenge. God even reserves it for a day. 1 Samuel 24, 12. 1 Samuel 24, 12. You can write it down. The Bible says, May the Lord judge between me and you, and may the Lord avenge me upon you, but my hand shall not be upon you. Just step back and just breathe. The next point, number six, you get all of them. Seek peace. Remember, we're teaching about staying peaceful in our time. Our goal is peace. Peace is joy. Peace is for really your own benefit. So do your best and let it go. Hebrews twelve fourteen says, strive. It means do your best to live in peace with everybody. And pursue that consecration and holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. And number seven, face the truth. The truth about your own life. What is it? What pain is it? In the context of the Holy Spirit, you can face truth. He never shames us. Face the truth. You know, anger is such a dangerous emotion. So face the truth about your own life. Two diseases that are caused by anger. There's so many. On my teach on emotions, I cover a lot of them. Just two. Heart attacks, hypertension. A lot of anger that's gone to rage and fury. It's, not, it's also a part of that. Not all. Because all the organs of the body need nutrients and the blood to flow, supply. Anger, they say, diverts energy away from important organs. By anger, I mean anger that goes into that kind of display that I showed you. So it takes energy and, and supply of blood to vital organ parts because of the rage that is raging in you. Second, and anger and, 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 and ulcers. Um, you know, before that, I shared with you how I, I had... One day, I was so angry years ago. I was so angry. I can't even remember what, but it came to my heart yesterday. I wanted to share with you. My heart was beating so fast. I didn't even know all this about heart attacks. And I heard one of the few times the Holy Spirit said, stop. And that day for me was the turning point of beginning to work on anger. And the, then I began to, I, later on, many years later, I'd gone to all this study. It, would, it can kill you. I heard that voice. And for me, that day was my a, a, a journey of working and dealing with anger in my life. How constructively and not sinning. With my anger. Ulcers and, and gastritis are caused by a, a, a greater release of hydrocholic acid in the stomach because of anger. I had ulcers as a teenager from my bullying. I didn't even know. All this knowledge came to me through the Holy Spirit before I even studied these things. So always remember that the comforter, the counselor, the advocate, the helper, the intercessor, the strengthener, and the standby lives in you completo. When all else fails, mobilize him to come to deal with the pain in your heart. We'll continue next week. Thank you for listening. We trust you were blessed by today's message. And if you would like to sow into our ministry, you can visit our website to give a donation. God bless you. Make sure you subscribe to our channel to hear more messages.